This is the fourth time we've been journeying with John to the cross. And this one is entitled, Jesus says, stay connected. If you got a Bible with the words of Jesus um, printed in red, you will notice from midway through chapter 13, all to the way until the end of chapter 17, consists of, I guess, 90% red text. In other words, Jesus is speaking directly to his disciples, and hence us. The passage I'm taking this morning is the first part of John chapter 15, and it's all the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit inspired John to write this down because God thought it was vital for the church. In John chapter 14, as Mandy explained to us last week and Keith the week before, Jesus made various promises to us with the intention that as John chapter 14 and verse 27 says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. But Jesus now moves on to consider why exactly these promises are being made. Many people have observed that John chapter 15 is where Jesus focuses his attention on the mission of the church. And that mission is to make Jesus known. That's why we should stay connected, not only to our head, Jesus, but also to one another. In verse 1, Jesus says, the last of the great I am statements. To us, at least initially, it seems rather odd. What is Jesus doing talking about himself as a plant? But to the Jewish disciples, it would all have made perfect sense. The vine was a great symbol of Israel. We are not certain, but an actual vine was reported to be over the entrance to the temple in Jerusalem. I checked Wikipedia, as one does, but for the I am 
statement of Jesus. And they have it almost right, but not quite. In the last one, they have, I am the vine. But that's not quite what the Bible says. Verse 1 says, in fact, I am the true vine. Or in the Good News translation, it says, I am the real vine. Why is that important? Well, in Psalm 80 and verse 16, it says, your, in other words, God's, vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. The historical symbol of Israel, the vine, was cut down and burnt. The verse, last verse of that psalm reads, Restore us. Jesus wanted to tell us that he was actually the true vine that could not be cut down because he's, he was God's vine that, and the father was the gardener and he had come not to save Israel but the whole world. Now, I may be not much of a gardener but I do know one thing about vines. They are past masters at spreading. You may know the famous Hampton Court vine, which I gather is over 250 years old. It's covered the glass of the large greenhouse where it's growing but it all comes from one root. I wonder if the gardeners who originally planted that vine knew how big it could, would grow. And it's still bearing fruit, I understand. You see, the vine is not a particularly attractive plant. It doesn't have beautiful flowers and without support it would simply grow along the ground and get in the way. The fruit is the whole point of a vine and the whole point of the God-given vine which is the church of Jesus Christ is that it will bear much fruit in terms of the disciples of Jesus. It will do this not because of us, but because God is the gardener. I want to pick out four things this morning which should make us more fruitful. The first is pruning. 
pruning. Note God the Father is described as the gardener. In other translations say vine dresser or husband man. It isn't quite an accurate translation to say farmer because a farmer gathers the crops together and makes a profit from them. The gardener has the responsibility to feed and water and prune the vine so that it will be fruitful. I'm no expert, but I gather the trick is with vines. Over the winter, you have to prune them severely, almost down to a stump. And then in the spring, they will put on new growth and the new growth produces the fruit. Jesus, in verse 2, almost writes the manual of vine cultivation. What you do is this. You assess the amount of fruit from each branch of the vine. Any that produced no fruit whatsoever, you cut back to the trunk. And any that do produce fruit, well, you prune less severely, but you still prune. Because the old wood from last year won't produce much fruit this year. So you need to prune in such a way that the new wood grows and that will make the vine produce more fruit. I've never grown a vine in my life, incidentally, but I'm assured that's what will happen. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 5 and verse 37 about not a vine, but what's produced from the fruit. In other words, wine. And he said an interesting thing. No one for pours new wine into old wine stins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. No, new wine must be poured into new wine stins. You see, it's the same principle. God has to prune each one of us, cutting out the branches that are not fruitful and encouraging the other branches to remove the old growth and make way for the new. That may be uncomfortable and evil, painful at times, but it's all that Jesus would be known further and wider and the uh, kingdom will would grow look at it 
another way. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12 says, In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Every Christian has been saved by the work of Jesus on the cross. But some people have not gone any further into a fruitful relationship with God. Those are the ones that require even more pruning. The second is that we are to remain in Jesus. Let's suppose I visit a, a vineyard and look around at all the grapes growing and I think to myself, I'd like to start my own vineyard. So I checked that no one's looking and I march up to one of the vines and I chop a branch off and take it home with me. What do you think is going to happen to that branch? I think I know. Any fruit or leaves will pretty soon wither and die because it's not joined to the main trunk. The branch will eventually die as well. I tested this theory. Um, I've got a visual aid. I haven't had a visual aid for many years, but um, here it is. <laughs> I chopped a branch of a bramble in the church grounds i better be careful how I help this. But um, the other day, and left it alone. And this is the result. I think it's fair to say you won't be seeing many blackberries on this branch in the summer. You see... The branch has to remain attached to the main trunk and ultimately to the root to survive. Some plants aren't like that, but I'm pretty sure that the vines aren't one of them. What does it mean remaining in Jesus? Verse 4. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. Think back for a moment to last week in John chapter 14 and verse 28. We read the words of Jesus who said, I am going away and I am coming back to you. The amazing truth is by the Holy Spirit, 
God lives in each one of our lives. The you in verse 4 is a plural. That means everyone of you and everyone, every other Christian, whether newborn or an old fogey like me, everyone must bear fruit. What kind of fruit, I hear you ask? Well, if if you if you didn't, I'm going to tell you what I think anyway. When I was a young Christian, many, 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 many years ago, <laughs> I used to think of fruit exclusively as willing souls, other souls for Christ. I used to worry that I hadn't done enough in the soul-winning department, and I was in danger of getting pruned. But hang on just a minute. We don't convert anyone. That's the Holy Spirit's business. We just have to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel and the saving power of Jesus. If you want to know the fruits of the Spirit, look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And you know what? If you, we do actually display the fruits of the Spirit, all of them, God will give the interest. And returning to the passage, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. We have to be obedient to God. God is not a human being. He is so much more than that. But the amazing truth is that God wants to have a relationship with each one of us. That's why he sent Jesus. And we each face a choice to obey human beings and our own desires or to obey God. Peter and the other apostles faced that choice and in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, they made their choice. We must obey God rather than human beings. <coughs> the third thing 
is that we'd always be a praying people. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus was serious here? Well, well, of course he was. But many people forget about the first half of the verse. And it's a conditional first half. If, you see. The second half of the verse is conditional on the first half. We ask for anything and as long as we remain in Christ and his words remain active and effective within your hearts, he will do it. The Apostle John didn't just write a gospel. He wrote letters. And as one of the letters is 1 John. Let's look in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That verse could almost be a commentary on John 15, verse 7. John uses the same word for ask in his letter that Jesus used in the gospel. Every part of the mission of the church should be saturated in prayer. It, it's not just desirable, it's essential. The fourth thing is love. It won't have escaped your notice that one of the fruits of the Spirit, arguably the main one, is love. And in verse 17, Jesus just doesn't just suggest loving each other. He commands it. Love, it's like the sap in the trunk and the branches of the vine. Without it, everything dies. That's why we need to be connected First to Jesus and then to one another. Jesus is about to go to the cross. And he did that for his friends, you and I, and everyone who believes in his name. Everyone who follows the law of God, love of and of grace from God. In verse 13, Jesus says he's about to lay down his life 
for his friends. It's not immediately obvious, but the verb to lay down is the same word Jesus uses in verse 16 to for to appoint or ordain if you are reading the King James Version. Only Jesus can lay down his life for our sins, of course. But he invites he invites us all to do our part as he appoints us in producing much fruit. Amen.